Thank you very much, uh, Chair. I was appointed as the Deputy Minister of Finance of South Africa on the 26th May 2014. And I was relieved of my position of Deputy Minister of Finance on the 31st March 2017. I was also during this period a member of the South African Parliament. I was appointed as Deputy Minister at the same time as Mr. Ntlantla Nene was appointed as a Minister of Finance. On the 9th December 2015, it was announced that Mr. Nene was removed as Minister of Finance and replaced by Mr. Des Van Royen. It was announced on the 13th December 2015 that Mr. Van Royen was intended to be replaced by Mr. Praveen as Minister of Finance. Mr. Gordon served as Minister of Finance until the evening of the 31st March 2017 when he was removed as Minister of Finance and I was removed as Deputy Minister of Finance on the same day. Yes. There are two important aspects arising from that paragraph two, which would require clarification from you. The first one, could you share with us the circumstances upon which you were appointed on 26 May 2014. Uh, Mr. Chair, I received a call from the office of the president inviting me to his residence um, as Lovu, and formally informed that I have been appointed as Deputy Minister of Finance. Thank you. And then the second issue that arises you are referring, you are saying in a statement that you were removed as Deputy Minister of Finance the same day when Minister Koran was removed. Can you also share with us the circumstances which led to your removal and how you were removed? Of course, the removal was, there was no formality around it uh, from the President. I actually saw it on TV. And uh, probably to date, I never received any formal information about my removal. I suspect the same for Mr. Kodan. So you say that you only saw it on TV that you were removed? And then subsequent press media, st uh, media statements. Yes. Can you then deal or take us through very slowly, take us through the events leading up to the meeting on the 23rd October 2015. In, in difference, Mr. Chair, I would try to move closely as what is written in the statement just to ensure that I capture all the details. Yes, it's important because there are time references and specifics in that statement. On approximately the 27th, 28th August 2015, I was in Luanda at an African caucus of finance ministers. I recall being contacted by Mr. Fanat Longwane, whom I knew relatively well, telling me that Mr. Tutuzani Zuma would like to speak to me, to invite me to an awards ceremony, which I'll explain later. I subsequently met Mr. Longwane during 2015 in Johannesburg in the presence of Mr. Bongani More, and he told me that Mr. Tuduzani Zuma wanted to meet me. Who, during the, 
Mr. Jonas, uh, who is uh, Mr. Bongani More? It's a friend, a friend of mine. Oh yes. It was not a formal meeting; it was a casual meeting. During the course of the conversation, he mentioned that the Guptas were important to him. I indicated that I would not want to be associated with the Guptas. What what prompted that discussion? Why would he say to you? It was it was a general discussion on the politics of the country. And, and that's how it came in. Yes. I asked Mr. Shongwana to provide me with Mr. Tutuzani's number. I, had not I have not previously met Mr. Tutuzani, nor had any previous interaction with him. At approximately 5.30 p.m. on the 17th October 2015, after arriving in Cape Town from Port Elizabeth, I sent Mr. Tutuzani a text stating, hi, comrade, I quote, tried to call you. So this Jonas, approximately at 5.36 p.m., I had a short telephone conversation with Mr. Dutuzan Zuma. Mr. Dutuzan Zuma requested me to attend what I, I recall to be the South African of the Year Awards hosted by ANN7 on the Saturday, 17th October 2015 in Johannesburg. I ultimately indicated that I would not be able to attend, telling him that my schedule would not permit it. Mr. Duzani Zuma said that he would like to talk to me nonetheless and ask whether we could meet sometime after the awards. At that point, did he indicate to you why he wanted to talk to you? There was no indication, sir. Okay, Mr. President. On the Monday, 19th October 2015, at approximately 12.38, I sent Mr. Tutuzani Zuma a text message which read, can we talk when, when, I, um, when I, in response to a missed call, there was a missed call by Mr. Tutuzani, and I responded to him by saying, can we talk? I was about to fly from Johannesburg to Cape Town. I received two missed calls from Mr. Shlongwane that evening at approximately 9.37 p.m. and 9.38. At approximately 9.43 uh, p.m., I sent Mr. Duduzama a further text message which stated, called. I then received a call from Mr. Duduzani at 9.43 about arranging a meeting, and I indicated to him that I would be in Johannesburg later in the week, and that it may be possible to meet then. On the 22nd of uh, October, 2015, I flew to Cape Town, uh, from Cape Town to Johannesburg. On landing in Johannesburg, I noticed that I had received a text message from Mr. Tutuzani Zuma, which read, good morning, sir. I trust you made it um, out of the parliament building unscathed. I tried to call you. Please return my call. Kindest regards, Tutuzani, unquote. I also saw that I had received a missed call from uh, another missed call from Mr. T from uh, Mr. Zuma. Mr. Zuma, there are you referring to Tuduzani? Tuduzani. Yes. I received a call again from Mr. Tuduzani Zuma at approximately 9:58 a.m. on 23rd October. I told him I told him that I would be attending a meeting in Rosebank that morning and that we could meet briefly before I flew to Port Elizabeth in the late afternoon of the 23rd, October 2015. We agreed to meet at Hyatt Hotel in Rosebank before I left to the airport. On the 
3rd of October 2015, I attended NEDLEC briefly, and that after the meet in the, uh, and I left the meeting after that. I sent Mr. Dujuzana a text message at approximately 11 a.m. to change our agreed point time, which stated, quote, can we make it 1.30, same place, which is higher? He responded with a text saying agreed. I arrived earlier at approximately 1. I sent him a text message stating, can you call me? I then received a short call from Mr. Zuma Duduzani at approximately 1.03 p.m. and at 1.13. I sent a further message saying here already, he responded um, at 1.21 stating by text, I'm on my way up, sir. When Mr. Duduzana arrived at Hyatt Hotel, we had a brief discussion. He appeared pretty nervous and spoke in very vague terms. He said nothing of substance except to say that his father, the then President Jacob Zuma, liked me. After a while, I indicated that I was under pressure, under time pressure. He said that the place was crowded and that he had important matters to discuss, but that he wanted other people to join the discussion and that he wanted to drive to a more private place, which he said was close by. But did he tell you who are these other people that you wanted to join the discussion? With all due respect, he didn't. He didn't. I assumed we would be going to an office nearby, so I said, let's go. I had received a call from Fana Shungwane uh, as Tuduzani was arriving. That's the correction that I made. We drove to in Mr. Tuduzani's car, which appeared to be a two-door Mercedes-Benz. I did not know the surrounding area very well and only gathered when we arrived at our destination that we had driven um, into the Gupta residence in Saxon World. Did you know that residence before of the Guptas? No, I didn't. Was this the first time that you... It was the first time, yes. Mr. Duduzani had not suggested to me when we left Hyatt that we were going to the Gupta residence or that we, will meet, we were to meet the Guptas. As Mr. Duduzana passed the car, I noticed that Mr. Fana Shungwane had also arrived at the Gupta residence. We went into the house and Mr. Duduzani, Zuma, and Mr. Shungwane led me into a lounge where we sat down and started chatting. Neither Mr. Duduzani nor Mr. Shungwane suggested um, what the meeting would involve. Um, neither of them suggested that the meeting would involve any of the Gupta members, family members. We had not spoken for a very long time when, the, when one of the Gupta brothers walked into the room and sat down. I had not previously met any of the Gupta brothers, but I recognized him as one of the Gupta brothers from media reports. At the time, I did not know his name as he did not introduce himself, but simply started talking. I have subsequently looked at press articles which depict the various Gupta brothers. Based on these photographs, I'm relatively certain that the Gupta brother at the meeting was Ajay Gupta. But I cannot exclude, based simply on the photograph, the possibility that it might have been Mr. Rajesh uh, Gupta. Mr. Duduzani Zuma and Mr. Fana Shungwane both remained silent while Mr. Gupta spoke 
and, did, and they did not participate uh, in the interaction which followed, although they both remained in the room. Mr. Gupta opened the conversation by stating that we know you and that um, he had been told that I was being blackmailed by Mr. Shongwane. I replied that that was not true. He responded by stating that I was not, uh, that was not why he had called me. Anyway. Did Mr. Shongwane at this stage respond? No response. Or reacted to these remarks from Mr. A.J. No, he, he just shook his head anyway. No response really, no words. He said that we have been gathering intelligence on me, on you including those closest to you, such as my friend Rastam Mohammed and the, my chief of staff, Nkososhlangambuniswa. He described both as being poor and useless. He emphasized that they, uh, which I understood to be the Gupta family, have the capability to gather such information and that they had gathered a lot of information on me, which they could use against me. He said that as far as he was concerned, this meeting never happened. And that if I were one day to suggest that this meeting had occurred, they would destroy my political career. I understood him to be creating the impression that they had information on me that they would uh, use to destroy my political career if I revealed that the meeting had taken place. Did you, at that stage, interact with him? or say anything to him no, when I listen, he made those remarks? I, I listen. He was talking like a, um, a radio. Let's proceed. Should I proceed? Mr. Yes, we proceed. Furthermore, Mr. Gupta said that they were well aware of my activities and that I was working with the ANC General Secretary, uh, Mr. Gwede Mantashe, Treasurer General uh, Dr. William Kize, he also said that these activities were not good for me, and these were bad guys. He expressed the view that I was part of the, what he referred to as a thing within the ANC and government, or government. I can only assume that this was suggesting that I formed part of a faction or a process intended to undermine, Gupta, um, to undermine the then President Zuma. And I must state in this regard that my relationship with President Zuma at the time was pretty good. I interjected and refuted his view and stated that I was nothing more, more or less than a part of ANC and that my activities in the ANC and my work in government had nothing to do with anything other than the, the, the interest of the country. Had nothing to do with him? With him. Yes. I asked him directly what was the purpose of the meeting. Mr. Gupta said the old man, referring to the president, seem to like me and that they have called me to check me out. I quote that. And to see, I quote again, whether they can work, I can work, and I quote, whether you can work with us. He also said that the president was going to fire Mr. Nene because he could not work with them. I understood again this to be a reference to the Gupta family. At that time, what portfolio was Mr. Nene holding? Mr. Chair, Mr. Nene was the Minister of Finance. He said that I, I I'm quote, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Mukwena and Mr. Jonas. Uh, it might be easier to deal with this here now than much later. Yes. In paragraph 20 of Mr. Jonas' statement, 
where he refers to the ANC Secretary General, Mr. Gwede Mantasha. From what he has said, it seems to me that it should not be saying Treasurer, Treasurer General and Dr. Zulim Kiza. Awesome. It should be saying Mr. Gwede Mantasha and Treasurer General, Dr. Zulim Kiza, rather than and. It makes sense that we interchange. Thank we you have effected that correction accordingly. Thank you. Mr. Gupta said that the old man, uh, oh, I was on, the president was going to fire Mr. Nene because he could not work with them, which I understood to refer a reference to the Gupta family. He said that, I quote, you must understand that we are in control of everything, unquote. The National Prosecuting Authority, the Hawks, the National Intelligence Agency, and the old man do, and I quote, will do anything we tell him to do. He said that the old man intended appointing me as the Minister of Finance. I was at this stage shocked and angered by this statement, and I said that I was not interested in becoming a Minister of Finance. Now, at this stage, where is Mr. Fana Songwani and where is Mr. Tutuzani Zuma? They are in the room quiet, as if, as if they don't exist. Mr. Gupta ignored what I said. He said emphatically that I must become Minister of Finance because that is what we want, the weak want. By that, I would have to work with them. He also said that I if I worked with them, I would become very rich and that he could immediately offer me 600 million. He pointed at Mr. Duduzani and said that they made, they'd made him a billionaire and that he had bought a house in Dubai. He said that they worked closely with a number of people, including Lynn Brown and Brian Molife. As a result, they were, they were protected. In other words, those people who work with them are protected. He said that Mr. Molifa is very safe and that his career path is very clear and that nobody would touch him and I would be safe too. Now, when you referred to, I just want to make sure that your evidence is accurately captured. When you refer to the offer, is that 600 million that you were offered? 600 million rents. Yes. In rents? Yes. All right. You can proceed from... Before he proceeds, Mr. Jonas... 600 uh, million. Yes, thank you. That, that last sentence of paragraph 23, I seem to be hearing you to say, touch him and not me, it's written me. Oh, touch him, yes. yes. No, is, it, is it supposed him. to be me or is it supposed to be him? No, no, it's me. He said, assuming that I work with them, nobody would touch me and I would be safe. You may have said him earlier on. You I, don't know whether I, you, I, I heard correctly. It might be a slip of time. Okay, all right. Now, I just want to make sure yes. that where mm. what you say might be different from what is written here, you are aware of it and you can explain. Okay. okay. You may proceed, Mr. Gwen. Thank you very much, Chair. I said that I was going to leave and stood up to, le to leave. I said that I was not interested in, become, in being a Minister of Finance, and if he thought I would work with them, he would have to tell me precisely what it is that they do. At that point, he, Mr. Zuma, and Mr. Shongwane also stood up. I was angry at the stage, 
and he also he was also a bit emotional. In, he was also emotional. He said something along the lines of, I quote, look, do you know who we are dealing with? He was agitated and said, you think it, it is uh, illegal? He said that everything that they do is legal and that they create jobs and contribute to the economy. He said that at the moment, we, which I understood again to be the, the Gupta family, and about six billion from the fiscus through various entities, including ESCOM, Transnet, and government departments. He said that they wanted to increase this amount to eight billion, and that they thought I could be helpful in this regard. Mr. Gupta said that they had determined that the national treasury was a stumbling block for their growth, and that they wanted I quote again, to clean up treasury. He said that when I'm appointed as Minister of Finance, I would have to remove the Director General, Lungisa Funzile, Head of Tax and Financial Sector Policy, Mr. Ishmael Momiat, the Deputy Director General, uh, Mr. Andrew Donaldson, and the then Chief of Procurement, Kenneth Brown. Further, he said that they would provide me with replacement of all of these people, and that they would provide me with the necessary support, including advisors. Before I, you proceed, Mr. Jonas, I, I noted uh, that in that paragraph, which you have just finished, when you came to, uh, I think, six billion rand, you just said six billion, and I think when you read six mid, 600 million, you also left around. Okay. I think try as much as possible to read, to read it as is, okay. except if you pick up that it's incorrect, in which case you must just state that on record. And definitely thank, thank you. you. I said that I was under time pressure and again encouraged him to set out precisely what they do suggesting that this would allow me to take an informed decision. For the sake of clarity, my question was not intended for the purpose of seriously considering his offer, but it was, it was, it was intended as a provocation to seek to draw him out in the context of the unfolding state capture phenomenon that we were at that point, trying to make sense of and to determine who was involved. And it was, in a sense, trying to flush them out. Did you answer your question as to what were they doing? Um, I'm, I'm coming to that. Okay. I began to walk away, and Mr. Gupta motioned to both Mr. Zuma and Mr. Shlongwane to, to hang back. And as I was walking to the door of the house, Mr. Gupta directed me to a bar area and said that they were serious about offering me 600 million rand and that it, he would, it would be deposited into an account of my choice and that they could open an account for me. I could stash it in Dubai. He said that to show they were serious, I quote, I can give you 600,000 rands now and ask, again, I quote, do you have a bag or can I give you something to put it in, unquote. He seemed to want to show me to show the cash to me. I said to him that I did not want money, 
and I thought he was going to tell me what it is that they do. I said that it was, I was in a rush to catch a plane, but I was returning from the Eastern Cape on Sunday, and he could provide me with a list, and he could provide me with a list of what they do on Tuesday of the following week. And then he told Duzani to, 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 um, to come back, to, to arrange that I come back the following uh, Tuesday, and that he should tell me to bring a bag. I asked Mr. Zuma to take me back to my car. Mr. Gupta said he wished to continue the meeting with Mr. Zuma, and another car would take me to the airport. At the end of the meeting, Mr. Gupta repeated that they had information on me, and if I suggested that the meeting had okay, they would kill me. Can I refer you back to paragraph 28? Now, at that stage, when Mr. Gupta is talking to you and saying that I can give you six, 600,000 now, where was Mr. Tutuzani Zuma and Mr. Shongwani? They were standing a bit back away from the scene. Okay. I was then driven to the airport by what I assumed to be one of their vehicles, the Gupta now, vehicles. as we are seeing that they were standing back, could they hear what he was saying? I, indeed, they, they were very close, so they had. Okay. Now, Mr. Jonas, can we then move on to deal with the events subsequent to the meeting of the 23rd of October 2015? But before you do that, May I inquire from the chair that now that we, we, we did begin with our hearing at half past nine, I'm not sure when will be the appropriate time to take a tea adjournment. Maybe we should take it at 11. Is that convenient to everybody? It will be. It will be. Okay, all right. We'll take it at 11 then. You may proceed, Mr. Jonas, to deal with the events subsequent to the meeting of the 23rd October 2015. I was very shaken by what happened at the meeting. Due to the sensitive and threatening nature of what had transpired at this meeting, and because of uncertainty of events that were playing themselves out on the national basis, I decided I would initially discuss what had happened with people I trust, I felt I could trust. Later that day, I contacted Mr. Ntlantlanene and advised him that I had, admit, I had something serious to tell him. He was on his way to KZN, Kuzulu Natal, so we agreed to meet on his return on Sunday, the 25th, October. You, you are also referring there to uncertainty of events that were, take, that were playing themselves out on, out on a, a national basis. What were you referring to? I mean, it was probably the most turbulent time, which I deal with later. It was very turbulent time, um, and I'll de give details later if you allow me. Yes, Mr. Chair, you may do that. Upon landing, upon landing in PE, I spoke telephonically to Mr. Shongwane and expressed my disgust about what had transpired, particularly in respect of the manner in which he had deliberately misled me. I told me, I told him. He should never again do what he had done to me 
or to any other person. He suggested that we should have a meeting to discuss what I had raised. On a Sunday, 25th October 2015, Mr. Nene contacted me and suggested we should meet the following day, Monday, 20, uh, Monday 26th October. I returned to Johannesburg on the Sunday, 25th October um, 2015 at approximately 4.37. I spoke to Mr. Godan, again, whom I trusted um, wholly, and asked if I could see him to seek advi his advice and guidance. I went to his house in Pretoria, and when I arrived, he was sitting with his wife. Given that his wife was present, I decided to provide him with a high-level outline of what happened. I told him that I had been invited to a meeting and that the individuals present at the meeting had told me that I would be made Minister of Finance and that they offered me money and that they had, ref they had um, refused uh, and I had refused their offer. I was still deeply shocked, angered and dispirited and I told him that I thought I should submit my resignation the following day. Mr. Gordon suggested that I should not resign at that time, but should wait until we have some time to consider the matter further and get into more details, and also to decide what would be in the best interest of the country. I told him that I would discuss the matter with Mr. Nene, which he said was important. We agreed to keep the matter confidential. I received uh, three missed calls from Mr. Shongwane and um, between 6.49 uh, um, p.m. and 7.57 uh, p.m., as well as one missed call from Mr. Tutuzani at 8.18 at 8, p.m. What, on Monday, do, do you know the date? Are you able to place us in terms of uh, the date? Um, I, I think it was, um, it was on the 25th, I think, from 20, 25th. I deal with on 38, I think. Yes. Um, on Monday, 20, 26th, 20, 26th um, October. Maybe, you, maybe here you might want to start first with paragraph 38. At 8.22 8, 8, p.m. on 25th October 2015, I received a text from Mr. Tutuzani Zuma in which he stated, Good evening, sir. I tried to call you. Please return my call. On Monday, 26th October at 6.58 a.m., I sent Mr. Tutuzani a text message stating, Hi, bro, can we postpone today's session to Thursday? Did not realize um, how hectic my official schedule is, Jonas. I did not meet him again. But do you know why he wanted to talk to you? I assume that because I said they should give a list of what they do. Maybe he was trying to arrange that. On um, so, sorry, Mr. Jonas. Uh, uh, this is important. Uh, uh, you might not appreciate its importance. Uh, I think in that paragraph, paragraph 38, uh, or the one starting at 8:22 p.m. Yeah. When you when you read the message from Mr. Tutuzana Zuma, 
I think you just said, please return my call, and you left out when you can. Or did you, I don't know if you swallowed that part of the of this okay. sentence. Yeah, so yeah. it's important that okay. if the quotation uh, is written here the way it is, when you read it, you read it complete. Otherwise, it might create the impression that you are not agreeing that it was as is shown here and that you are saying it was different. So I just want you to appreciate those uh, things that might seem small. Thank you very much, okay. Mr. Chair. Thank you. The please return my call when you can was part of the code. On the morning of the 26th, October 2015, I, I met and briefed Mr. Nene. We met on the balcony of my National Treasury office because we were concerned that our offices might, uh, be, uh, be, uh, might be monitored. I told Minister, Mr. Nene exactly what had happened at Saxon World meeting, including that I had been told in clear terms that he was to be removed from office. He suggested that he should resign because he was going to be fired in any event. Having considered Mr. Gordon's advice, and in the face of the open hostility towards National Treasury in cabinet, especially from the then president, and particularly in relation to the nuclear procurement program, I told him that I thought we should remain in our positions and fight on, if only to hold the line for the finance department. He agreed with my proposal in this regard. We, we are now moving to deal with you with those events that occurred between October 2015 to December 2015. If you may please take us through those events. At this point in time, I did not see any point in reporting the matter to either the police or the Hawks as I believed that these institutions were seriously compromised. And I saw no reasonable prospect of this matter being properly and fairly investigated. This was both at a general level, by the then President Zuma had secured loyal intelligence and security apparatuses, apparatuses by weeding out most of the experience and technical capability in the various institutions. And at a personal level, given the threatening statements which had been made by Mr. Gupta during the course of the meeting. I anticipated that reporting the matter would simply result in reprisals against me. My concern in this regard was subsequently amplified, amply underscored, sorry, amply underscored by my later interaction with Major General Mnonopi in relation to the complaints which had been laid by David Maynir of the Democratic Alliance and Dennis Bloom of COPE. And this interaction, you are dealing with it later in a statement. I, I deal with it, Mr. Chair, yes. later. My experience was also, to some extent, taken over. My, my experience was also, to some extent, taken over by national events, which, which subsumed Mr. Nene and me over the period leading to the firing of Mr. Nene's Minister of Finance. This time, in my experience, was one of the most intense periods in South Africa's um, democratic history. As we in National Treasury were trying to hold the line with presidential or cabinet support. Without. Without presidential and cabinet or cabinet support against an economy teetering on the edge of a recession, 
whilst various crises at state-owned enterprises unfolded. I must, uh, can I uh, emphasize one point? Yes, yes. I think it's important to state that um, National Treasury's role is defined in the Constitution in part, Mr. Chair, but execution of that role largely depends on the Constitution in part, but also it depends on absolute support from the President. And I think in and the Cabinet, because some of the issues you deal with are regulatory issues, and you have to guide expenditure of departments, and sometimes you have to censure departments for irregular expenditure and many other things. So that's a very critical part. You also have to manage fiscals broadly to ensure, I mean, it uh, um, escalating into a fiscal crisis. Okay. So both political and the legal constitutional framework are important for that. And what we were lacking at the time was the political part. Because the president was, I mean, it was clear that both the cabinet, the president, this was huge hostility towards um, the national treasury in general. Yes. In retrospect, a number of these events appear to have been linked to the capture of various state institutions by the Gupta family. Simultaneously, the pressure on us from the former president and other members of cabinet to approve the nuclear deal was immense and was ultimately the trigger of Mr. Nene's dismissal on the 9th December 2015, after he again refused to back the deal at a cabinet meeting on that day. Do you know which told. deal, do you, know, do you still recall which deal was that, that he refused to back? I'm saying the, de the, the nuclear deal. Yes. The nuclear deal in this period was a big issue, I must say, I mean, just uh, for everybody's understanding. It was a big issue, Mr. Chair, I mean, at the time. I, 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 I recall that we were in and out of meetings, we were making presentations, and so on and so on. And that was the big pressure, and, uh, and so on. We can deal with that later, maybe. I was on a flight to, P to Port Elizabeth when Mr. Nene was removed from office. When I, when I landed, I had a message from Mr. Nene and also received a separate message indicating that the president had attempted to contact me. Mr. Nene sent me a text message in which he said, I quote, that the X has fallen and suggested that we should meet when I returned from the Eastern Cape. When I, when I spoke to the, to the then President Zuma, he told me that he had removed Mr. Nene as Minister of Finance, and that he had appointed Mr. Des Van Royen. I asked him how he thought um, Mr. Van Royen would be capable of performing the job and cope with the financial markets. The President resp Zuma responded by saying that I was there to help him. After the brief tenure of Mr. Des Van Royen as Minister of Finance, Mr. Godan was appointed as Minister of Finance. I remained Deputy Minister of Finance. Yes. Shortly after Mr. Godan um, was appointed as Minister of Finance, we met and discussed various pressure points that the Treasury was facing, particularly how we would deal with the aftermath of the removal of Mr. Nene and the appointment of Mr. Van Royen. And you remember that financial markets just plummeted at the time. And that probably was the immediate task just to kind of uh, pacify the markets and yes. give certainty on policy direction and a whole range of those issues. We also discussed in detail 
um, in this context, the events which had taken place at the Gupta residence on the 23rd of October 2015. Yes. Now, when you say you discussed them, did you pave any way forward as to how you're going to deal with those, with, with, with that event that occurred on the 23rd of October 2015 at the Gupta's residence? Now, it, we just discussed it and said, listen, let's continue the fight. I think that's what we ended saying. Now, can we move on to deal with the period between January 2016 Subsequently, to March 2016? Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Yes. Subsequently, in January 2016, I had a meeting with uh, Dr. Zulim Kiza in Johannesburg, then the ANC Treasurer General, about another matter. During the course of this meeting, he said that he had heard a rumor about the Guptas offering me an inducement to take up the position of finance minister. And he asked me whether this was true. I told him what had occurred, and I also mentioned the role played by Mr. Tlungwane and Tutuzane Zuma in facilitating the meeting. Dr. Mkize indicated that he was shocked and he advised that he noted my concerns regarding the matter, including in respect the role played um, by the role of Tutuzani uh, Zuma. Subsequently, the Financial Times um, of London published an article on Wednesday, 8th March 2016, which reported, quote, I quote, the family also denied a claim made to the financial time, that weeks before Mr. Van Royen's appointment, they had asked Mr. Godis Jonas, Deputy Minister of Finance, if he was interested in the Treasury's top post at the meeting at the Gupta's home. I quote, they have been, I quote, continue with the quote, an extraordinary number of allegations around the Gupta family in recent weeks, several of which involved the finance ministry. A family spokesman says, I continue with the quote, to be, to be absolutely clear, there was no meeting at all. The article did not immediately receive great attention in South Africa, although News24 and some other uh, online news sites reported the story on Thursday 10th, March 2016. On Friday 11th, March 2016, I traveled uh, to a SADC meeting in Khaberon, Botswana, which lasted until Monday the 14th, 2016. While, whilst I was in Khaberon, on the Sunday 13th, March 2016, the Sunday Times carried a story which stated that, I quote, President Jacob Zuma's son, Tuduzani, was present when members of the Gupta family offered Deputy Minister Mkwebisi Jonas, then Finance Minister, Atlanta's new job. The Sunday Times can reveal, unquote. I arrived back in South Africa on Monday, 14, 2016, and noticed that I had calls from Mr. Zizi Kordo, then the spokesperson of the ANC. I went to Tuli House to discuss the matter with him. He agreed that I should make a statement explaining what had happened. I released a statement on Wednesday, 16th March 2016. Before doing so, I, I discussed what was contained, what I was going to do with the Sec Secretary General of the ANC, Mr. Gwede Mantache, who himself supported my stance in this regard. 
For ease of reference, I have quoted the content of the statement below. Yes. Mr. Jonas, for importance and centrality of the issues relevant to this commission, and with the indulgence from the chair, could you please read the contents of that uh, media statement that you made into the record? Media statement by Deputy Minister of Finance, Mr. Mkogisi Jonas, MP. I have decided to respond and clarify certain questions that have been in the public domain recently. I do so in accordance with my conscience, my political values, and the best traditions of my organization, the African National Congress, of which I have been a member since my early teens. I regard our constitution as being sacrosanct, and it embraces the values that South Africans struggled for and what we live by. I was appointed deputy minister in terms of constitution by the President of the Republic of South Africa. Any practice that conflicts with the, the prescripts of the Constitution must be challenged in the interest of our democracy and the accountability we have to our people. The African National Congress that we have been and continue to be proud of members of has offered us opportunity to serve our country, an honor that I do not take for granted. My historical commitment to the liberation of our people has not waned. My daily decisions and actions are informed by understanding that true political freedom will be achieved through deliberate and active management of a transformed yet inclusive growing economy. The current economic climate presents many key risks for our country, which require responsible leadership to avoid full-blown crisis. We have to unite on the key issues relating to managing macroeconomic risk while urgently unlocking new resources of growth and jobs, all hands on the deck. The extent to which we are able to navigate uh, the current macroeconomic challenges, restore invest, uh, investor confidence and rapidly stimulate growth will depend on a heightened levels of political leadership. The narrative has grown around the issue of state capture should be the narrative that has grown around the issue of state capture should be of concern to all responsible and caring South Africans, particularly those of us who have accepted the task to lead our people. We cannot afford to ignore the obvious impact these sentiments may have on our country and the resultant potential of undermining our moral authority. Neither can we afford to allow the attempts to capture the state to divert us from dealing with the challenges that our country faces. We have made our people, we have made to we our people to. through our public pronouncement and private conduct. Therefore, let me state the facts on the matter of whether I approached, I was approached by non-governmental individuals in respect of the position of the Minister of Finance. Member, members of the Gupta family offered me the position of Minister of Finance to replace then Minister Nene. I rejected this out of hand. The basis of my rejection of their offer is that it makes mockery of our hard-end democracy. The trust of our people and no, no one apart from the President of the Republic appoints ministers. Let me also place it on record that there was no discussion between the Deputy Secretary General of the ANC, Ms. Jessie Jouarde, and myself on this matter.
I have hesitated to speak out publicly on this matter until now, but I feel it is no longer possible to remain quiet. Of primary concern to me is that this issue has a real danger of diverting attention away from the real and urgent challenges we face. I'm committed to good governance, abiding by the constitution of our country, and being accountable to our people who repeatedly express their confidence and trust in us through election after election. It is this constant state of awareness and consciousness drummed into most of us throughout our service in the National Democratic Revolution, led by the ANC, that has provided us with the moral capital and tools to apply sound judgment, navigate challenges that emerge in the natural course of societal leadership. It is only through these values and moral covenants that I serve my organization, my fellow countrymen and women, and my beloved South Africa. Finally, I remain confident that the challenges that we face as a nation will be overcome if we collectively use our efforts for the benefit of all. I'm resolute in playing part in preserving the integrity of National Treasury as an institution in my capacity as Deputy Minister. I'm also committed to making my contribution towards building a prosperous South Africa led by our glorious movement, the African National Congress. Uh, yes, may I just finalize that? Issued on behalf of um, Minister of Finance, uh, date uh, 16 March 2016.